I've spent the last 12 years trying to find the ultimate model to run a chiropractic business, and I think I discovered it. The Clinic Gym Hybrid Model, where you integrate fitness with the great care that chiropractic offices offer. Now, I perfected that model, and I sold that business last year. Now I've gone full-time into discovering how to help others build the same model in their practice, and I have the goal of 100 hybrid clinics starting up in the next year. So follow along as we interview the greatest guests, thought leaders in our space here, and discover the ways to perfect this model so that you can run an amazing business that also contributes to your time off, increased pay, and increased fulfillment by doing the care that you truly believe in. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure today to be joined by Aline Thompson. Aline, how are you? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. We always love uh, kick-ass guests, and you are an ass-kicker. I know that. So, Aline, uh, you are the owner of the fairly newly developed uh, Level Up Rehab based out of Denver, Colorado. That's where the international headquarters are, are in Denver, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you've been a PT for a few years. Uh, can you give any idea of what Level Up is all about? Sure. So, yeah, you're right. A few years being almost 22 years, I've been a PT. A year and a half ago, I started a cash-based PT business. I called it level up rehab. I wanted it to be thought of as not traditional therapy. So that's why mm -hmm. I went uh, rehab instead of PT. And it's just me. It's my own gig. I see patients for at least an hour, depending on, on what I do. Uh, it's grown very quickly. So I'm, I'm happy about that. And I think my philosophy is, you know, being as comprehensive as I can be. So I believe in wellness, not just traditional rehab. And now I have the opportunity to actually uh, explore all those possibilities. Very cool. So this is all, you currently do all the stuff that would drive your clinic director nuts previously, right? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like time. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we're not going to get reimbursed if you just, you know, talk to that person. Let's get moving here. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So I don't know how you have 22 years of experience because you don't look a day over 29, but <laughs> I guess you started young in PT. So I, I want to kind of dive into a couple different subjects, but first off, for those people who are like, I want to go into my own gig, but I'm kind of scared, I'm nervous. What was the biggest thing that surprised you confidence-wise um, when you did go out on your own? Well, I mean, I think I had a lot of the, the thoughts and insecurities that, that people have expressed to me since I, I've started and have reached out to me, which is, are people going to be able to or, or want to pay out of pocket for services that their insurance companies provide for them? And I've been very pleasantly surprised by how many people do. And, and I thought initially, like, wow, you know, I'm going to have to target markets where people can actually afford this. And that has not been the case. Now, I do live in Denver, and I feel like that might play a role in the ability for me to uh, develop this type of business because people here really do believe in their wellness. And, and mm. I you know, not to say that that doesn't exist throughout the country, but especially the parent there because they run, they, I mean, people move to Colorado because they want to be active, right? Correct. Yeah. So, but the, the mindset here is let's get out, let's get moving. I feel like all my patients are athletes, whether they're 14 years old or 70 years old. So, um, it's grown. And I think if you're able to give a product that really warrants people paying out of pocket, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would say 
you know, take the plunge. You can always start as a side hustle, which a lot of people do. And I, I did for just a teeny bit, but yeah. And just kind of for everybody listening, you actually condensed and condensed and condensed, right? You went from clinical practice to renting a space in a, in a, a gym or something. Do I remember that right? And then now you run it mostly out of your own, your own place. So what I do right now is I have two locations that I practice. Ooh. In. You know, kind of three, really. So I, Wow, expanding. Well, yeah, you know, this is... I'll you talk can't count your car as a location, Nelly. Yeah, so <laughs> I do treat people out of my home. I have a space for that, relatively okay. big space. I rent a space out of a Pilates studio where I have a private treatment room and then a bigger uh, movement room. So I have the room there. And mm-hmm. Then I also do a little bit of concierge PT. So I go to uh, somebody's office uh, and and treat a few people in a very small company. I also have done some concierge going to people's homes, but that's not a huge part of my practice. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm hearing there is, I mean, other people's homes, your own home, and maybe renting a place, but certainly... For those people who want to provide that service, location is not an issue. Location is not an issue. I think one thing that I thought when I first considered this was I have to have everything perfect before I start. I have to have a location that's kick-ass, that you know, has all the right equipment. Um, Big sign, be, great parking. Has to be in the perfect location here in Denver. And what I would tell people is this model of a cash-based PT, Cairo, whatever business can look a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. so, you know, make it what feels right to you. What, what is you? And, and for me, you know, I started really before I was hundred percent ready and I'm mm-hmm. happy I did that because I could have waited forever to make things perfect. And so I didn't think that I would stay at my home for <laughs> as long as I have, but people love it. And I have people that come all the way from Boulder and Evergreen. Those are, you know, commutes of more than 45 minutes sometimes. And so I also have my other location is farther south in Denver. So it works out or at least it's working now. You know, know, I don't know where this is going to go. And that's cool. You know, I think um, I'm evolving and who knows where I'll be in a year. But is it is it perfect yet? Has it ever been perfect? (laughs) What it. What is perfection? Now, you just told me you're reading Dare to Lead. And uh, what yeah. you'll find at the end of the book, which really resonated with me, is she said, you know, you got to take off your armor, your armor of perfectionism. And I was like, hallelujah. Yeah, I, I need to do that, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Aline is a huge reader, a very avid reader. Uh, how many books a month do you read, by the way? You know, probably about two or three. I would okay. Say. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's impressive for people. And um, if you follow her on Instagram, what's your Instagram handle again? Leveluprehab or Leveluprehab, yeah. Yeah, uh, you will always see you report on your books there a lot, and I think it's great. I, I took the tip on the Brene Brown one that you're referring to, uh, Dare to Lead, and I'm reading that, enjoying it quite a bit. So thanks a lot for recommending those. Great. 
Hey, it's Dr. Josh, and real quick, we'll get right back to that interview, but I definitely want to tell you all about our super conference. It's coming up on April 13th and 14th in Austin, Texas. Now, what is it and what makes it so awesome? Well, it's super. That's why it's called the super conference, and it's super because we've combined two of the greatest models in all of the clinic gym hybrid space, and that is the accelerator program. We are putting it live into an event, and you're going over everything we cover in accelerator live. Now, we can't go as in-depth as the online training, but we're going to give you an overview on Saturday about how to run the business side of the operation. And then on Sunday, we have partnered with the CFSC, the Certified Functional Strength Coach Program, and they are teaching a course all about the exercise to do and the progressions and regressions to do with your clients. So you combine those two models, the best exercise program with the best business model, and you have an absolute super conference. So I hope you can join us April 13th and 14th in Austin, Texas. Go to our website, clinicgymhybrid.com, and look for the button that says Super Conference. Once again, clinicgymhybrid.com, and there's a button right at the top that says, tell me about the Super Conference. Click there, you got all the info. Thanks a lot. We'll get right back to that interview. Let's dive a little deeper. So you set up your practice, but um, let's talk about something even more polarizing than should you go cash or insurance, right? Yeah. (laughs) What the heck is up with chicks, man? That's a deep question, right? No, but in all seriousness, uh, you and I know each other because we teach SFMA together. And one of the things I notice is that there are a lot of male instructors, not just in SFMA, but in almost, you know, whether it's treatment seminars or, or diagnostic seminars or dry needling, they all seem to be dominated by male instructors. And what's your opinion there? Why, why is that and how should it change? Yeah, I I wouldn't say what is up with chicks. (laughs) I'd say what's up with our world? What's up with society? Yeah, you've identified it. I I think that, you know, this is a really complicated issue. And I don't think we're going to solve it in our our podcast here. But um, well, I think what's especially interesting about this is like healthcare typically is dominated by females, right? Just the numbers like nurses, mostly female PTs. Is it mostly female PTs? It's definitely PTs here in contrast. So it on the con ed circuit, you do see more men teaching than women. I have, not right now, because I'm taking a little leave of absence due to how busy I am, but I have taught at, at the University of Colorado here. Okay. Program, and the faculty there is mostly women. So so that's, huh. a, you know, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know whether uh, it's uh, a lack of interest on women's part or if it's, certainly I never felt as I got into teaching or was asked to teach for SFMA, that they were not trying to uh, attract women. But I think uh, sometimes it's a lack of interest. Maybe it's a lack of confidence, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I hope to see that changing. I- I've been able to, I don't know, casually mentor a few young young women, and I and I think with, with the, the uh, approach that. You know, some of the leaders in, in the field, women leaders are taking, it's becoming more, more doable for women. You know, mm-hmm. the thing that I see, though, right now is that a lot of this, is, a lot of the women leaders are, are young. And then some of them are women that don't necessarily have families. So, yeah, I was going to ask you that. So you started teaching SFMA once your kids were fairly self-sufficient, right? Not, they weren't driving themselves, but they weren't, um, you didn't have kids in diapers when you started teaching, correct? My daughter was probably just getting out of diapers. Okay. Do you <laughs> think that has to do with it? I mean, had, had you been approached five years earlier, would it have been a whole lot tougher or would you have refused? Well, you know, I don't know. 
know. I think like all of our um, all of our journeys in terms of our careers are so different. I mean, some people really. Mm-hmm. One book that was pivotal for me was the book "Lean In" by by Sheryl Sandberg, right? Mm-hmm. Like telling people to to or women to lean into their career, stay at the table, and uh, I and I just read that at the right time, which was probably mm-hmm. you know when my daughter was about two. She's nine or, or almost ten now. And I think that just kind of stirred something in me. I thought like, you know, I've always been good at what I do relatively, right? And uh, why, why would I? <laughs> I was about to apologize for saying I'm good at, I, at right. what I do, which is inherently probably something that, that right. would be more than men. That, that's a problem. But I... Canadians I've, apologize a lot too, so... What's that? Canadians, they seem to apologize quite a bit for being yeah. good. So, you know, and then I've always been interested in learning more and doing better. But after mm-hmm. that book, I was like, you know what, I'm, I, I would like to, to see what I can do to, to see if I can push myself further, whether it's pursuing teaching or, or, or doing better with worth work and 20 years ago or 20 plus years ago, I would have never thought that I would own my own business, you know, and there are a lot of reasons for that. I mean, part of it was the cash based model didn't exist then. I mean, I, I never wanted to own my own business because I never wanted to deal with insurance. That, mm-hmm. was not, uh, that was not something that, that resonated with me or felt honestly ethical. So go back to when you read that book, because I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, men and women that are at points. There's like a great Steve Jobs quote where it's like, you know, at some point you'll realize that all the walls around you were constructed by people just like you or something like that. I'm probably hacking it. But like there are these limitations we put on ourselves like, oh, I, I can't do this. I can't teach for so-and-so. I can't be up on that stage or nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Yeah. Right. You hear that a lot in, I, I've heard people say that. And oftentimes they're the very people that you would want to listen to. But they're like, oh, n- n- nobody really cares. It's like, yeah, they do. When you decided to kind of, as you said, like lean in and you decided to take a seat at quote unquote this table, were there things you can look back on and be like, I don't know why I was doing this. Like I was self-limiting myself. I guess that is self-limiting, but I was self-limiting in this way. And as soon as I decided to do it, I mean, no, like when you decided to start teaching SFMA, it wasn't like you didn't need a new skill set. You already had it, right? You didn't, there, like, you didn't need to move to take this new job. You didn't need to do anything. You just, hey, actually, I'm going to pursue that. Can you kind of take us through any other changes or things that you, you saw at that time in your life? Yeah, I don't know back then, so but but definitely more recently. Sure. Also, I did need an, a new skill set. <laughs> I needed to be able to to talk in in front of a crowd of a hundred or four hundred or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I'm trying to say is, like sometimes people go, oh, "I can't open up my own practice because I don't have space." And and oh, you yeah. said earlier, space doesn't matter. I don't have this table. I don't have this equipment. I don't have any. I don't have a cable cross machine. It's like you don't need any of that. Like. The decision is all that matters. You don't need any of that. In fact, I think what you need is a commitment to trying to do your best with regard to a practice, right? Mm-hmm. Probably anything. But with regard to the practice, I went through it all. You know, I, I don't know enough yet, which is ridiculous. If you look at my resume and all the uh, courses that I've taken, I've learned a lot. Um, if you don't know enough, then the rest of us are totally screwed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that, but I mean, it just, it's just an example of yeah. one of the excuses I, I would come up with. I think there's never a right time. I think you have to, you have to look at everything that's going on in your life and are there 
really significant barriers to you going for a goal, then you have to try to work, you know, work through some of those and figure out how you can, how you can achieve what you want to do. But, but I do think that there, there are a lot of things that I, yeah, I had to get over. I mean, one of the big things with starting a practice was putting myself out there, you know, Mm -hmm. whether, whether it's with social media or, or having a website. I mean, I'm a, relatively private person, you know, mm-hmm. not with, with people that I'm close to, but I, I, I wasn't on Facebook for however long Facebook it has existed until last year. <laughs> and um, so that's ironic. You read Sheryl Sandberg's book and she was like the, she's yeah. the COO of Facebook. You're like, that's awesome. Love the story. I'm not using your product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still don't really like the product, but, you know, <laughs> but her book was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you had to be one of the only people that read a book about somebody at Facebook that had never used Facebook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Facebook is, uh, yeah, well, that could be a whole nother conversation. But yeah. So if you were to kind of like coach a, like a young female PT who's maybe a few years into the business and they've maybe had twinklings of, hey, I, I would like to teach for a CEU course, right? I'm or present it at CSM or present at any major thing. Can you take us through kind of like your own experiential journey? So like, so you went through this thing in Vancouver, I was there too. And and it was like, can you take us through how that process went in your own mind, your own development of like, Hey, I'm going to actually, I'm going to do this. Sure. Yeah. So what Josh is referring to is when we, it wasn't when we all started because we all started at different times teaching for us for me, but we had our sort of inaugural speaker school in Vancouver and we all got slammed with criticism in, in a very uh, safe and, and positive way, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah. You went into it knowing that there was going to be objective feedback, whether that was comfortable or not. Yeah. So object, objective feedback where, you, you know, you partially want to throw up and you're partially <laughs> jazzed about you know, what you're going to get out of this, I would say, you know, to, to your question, if you want to be able to do some great things, whether it's teaching or presenting in front of a crowd of 400, which I did do at at APTA next, or start your own business, you you need to let go of some of the insecurities and they're always going to be there, but just, you, you, you need to let go of the, what if I fail? Because what if you don't? <laughs> and, and you're likely not going to fail if you have the, the commitment and desire to work hard. Another very big factor, which I think comes into play, especially when it, it involves teaching or presenting, is you need to be able to take criticism and you need to be able to change. And, and I think that's a whole process. For me, it was learning to just be authentic, not trying to be something that I thought people wanted me to be. So as a woman, I, I felt like initially I wanted to prove myself, right? So I wanted to come off as feeling as sounding or seeming confident and smart and intelligent. Mm-hmm. And then my presentation style was, was not authentic then. And I, and I, I remember a couple incidents where, where people gave me cues that really allowed me to relax. And the effect was, you know, a, a very positive one. So, yeah. I remember in Vancouver for myself, I guess there was some self doubt or or thinking like, I'm a big dude, right? Like I'm whatever, probably the biggest guy in most of the rooms that we teach in. Mm -hmm. And 
standing in front of the room, I was always self-conscious, I would say would be the word, about being so big. So like I would kind of slump and I don't know, act small. And I remember I said like, I don't want to overwhelm the people in the front row like a grizzly bear. Do you remember this? Because <laughs> you kind of, yeah, you commented on it. But um, it was funny because uh, like the feedback I got in the room was, you, you are big. Like there's no way to, there's no way to change that. So stop acting like it's not the case, you know, and like, and, and still do big motions with my hands. Like not, don't be afraid of that or, or standing up tall and things like that. And you're right. Like that allowed me to not have this constant thing playing in my back of my mind, like be, you know, be small, be small, be small. Rather it's like, no, just act like you naturally want to act. And everybody already, you know, would be comfortable with you doing that because you're big. Like, it's just, that's just the case, you know? And for me, that was like a big changing point because here I thought I had to act some, like, it sounds stupid to say now, like I had to act small, like physically small. And like, there is no way to physically make me small. Like it's right. impossible. It makes complete sense to me. And I think, you know, we grow as people and that shows in our work when we're able to grow as individuals, when we start mm-hmm realize these things that we shouldn't live our lives, uh, you know, by other people's expectations. And, you know, I wrote this, this blog post after, after having my business for a year, which was, you know, reflections Mm -hmm. uh, starting uh, a cash-based business. And, And one of the things was, you know, figure out what success means to you, because I think it's, it's different for a lot of people. Now, you know, some people might think success in a, in a business like this is, you know, per patient, how many patients are you seeing per week? How much revenue are you pulling in? Right. Oh, my schedule was slammed today. I saw 10 people every day this week. Yeah. Well, we very much, you know, idolize the, the busy culture, but I, after the first year of a quick growth, which I wasn't expecting, I'm thankful for, but I realized, wow, I need to, I figure, figure out how to have balance in my life. And that's my hope for this year. And and what what I will, you know, deem as success, I can do a better job at that. When you realize you had all that quick growth, what are the, some of the things you realize had slipped away? Oh, (laughs) well, a hundred percent, you know, taking care of myself. So I, you know, I, I often think of life as, you know, you've got the four burners on the stove that you focus on. So your career, yourself, your family, and your friends. Huh. You know, for me, I, I've always got to keep my family on partial simmer, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the work, the work burner was on full blast and, and then friendships and, and myself kind of dwindled. So I mm-hmm. got to, you know, reflect on that and, and I'm, and making an effort to put more time into that for sure. Cool. Speaking of your family, I know you have a, a son and a daughter and your son is incredible. He's an expert at asking blatant, <laughs> uh, uh, um, unfiltered questions to you, right? He, yes, he is a very good uh, and curious um, young mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But you have a, a, a young daughter and how old is she now? She will be 10 in a, in a couple weeks. Cool. As you've kind of grown, like doing, becoming an instructor, becoming a business owner. It's funny, by the way, in healthcare that we, you know, we make a big deal about, oh, I opened a cash-based business. Like if you went to 99% of other businesses, like cash-based is just like how they go. Like, you know, it's funny. We have to qualify it, right? Yeah, mindset, right? Yeah. 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 It's like, if you went to a car dealership, well, we're a cash-based one. It's like, oh, well, so you guys accept money? It's like, yeah, that's just how it goes. 
Anyways, um, so you have a, a 10-year-old daughter and as you've grown, are there things that you were taught young or that were maybe not blatant lessons to you, but that you picked up that you are actively trying to change so that her perspective is different than yours was at, say, when she gets to be 15, right? That's when... Yeah. That's when- well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, um, I will say that my childhood was a little unusual and that I moved a lot. I moved every year to three years growing up. So... Mm-hmm. So yeah, your mom, dad was like a spy or something, right? Yeah, yeah he was. You say spy. international banker, but like, let's be honest. <laughs> you don't set up banks in third world countries for. Okay. And so my mom didn't work outside of the home. Although I will tell you, my mom is, is the most well-read and the smartest person I know. But so I'm, you know, I'm trying to model for my kids, both of them, that you can, you can work and, and be there for your kids. And, and, you know, so been, a wonderful experience to have them be involved in building this business. My son mm-hmm. came up with a name that every day they'll, we'll sit down to dinner and they'll say, how was your day, mom? How many patients did you see? Um, another funny story is the other day I was at work checking my emails. I got an email that said, you have a subscriber to your website? And I clicked on it in the middle of the day. It was my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> While she was, school, she was on, on my website. <laughs> What <laughs> did she do that? She made a, a comment on one of my blog posts that uh, there was a spelling error. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're all in, man. And um, and the, the and great they want to see a quality product, FYI. So clean up that grammar. That was I said to her. Um, you know, I was thinking I was going to bust her while she was at school, but she, when I brought it up, she said, "Oh yeah, mom." She said, "We're doing this project." about identifying a problem in society. And I've identified a problem, which is that kids aren't getting enough sleep. So I went to your website for evidence. <laughs> I was like, sweet, high fives. Yeah. yeah, I was angry about four and a half seconds ago, but now I'm <laughs> proud. So that's great. Yeah, that's funny. And how about your son? Like any, any differences that you're raising your son? Because I mean, it seems that you want to just have kids like there's no, there's no qualifiers, right? We don't have to say cash-based healthcare. It's just healthcare, right? We don't want to say like, oh, Aline's a good instructor, dot, 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 for a woman. It's just, no, just yeah, you're a good, yeah, you're a great instructor, like not absolutely. removing. Yeah. Well, it, it's. Well, well, I mean, one quote that I, that I actually love back to Sheryl Sandberg, and this is probably the only quote that I remember from the book was like, in the future, we, we're not going to have female leaders. We're going to have leaders. Yeah. Do you see that happening? In, I mean, in just the little ecosystem of physical therapy or healthcare? Yes. Good. Who are some of the leaders you see? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I think you've had two of them on your podcast. So Lindsay Becker and Sue Falsoni. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, you know, the movement maestro, Shante. Yeah. Uh, definitely making headways. She started a group on Facebook. I'm a um, part of uh, P4520. And uh, it's a bunch of women who are are wanting to to do more to either start businesses or or you know get into teaching and it's it's a support group and it's uh, you know it's it's pretty awesome so i feel like there's it's just a, a evidence that there's a desire for women to to start doing more and making making waves so yeah i remember i i treated a patient and she was a she had founded this um 501c3 you know <laughs> This is kind of funny, but so it was for Christian rock groups mm-hmm. to help them get promotion. And so their, their number one core value was you can't say we're good for Christian rock. You just have to be good rock and roll. 
Yeah. As soon as you're like, no, no, in Christian rock, it's like, don't lower your classification to rank higher. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that on Amazon. It'll be like some book and you're like, why is this in, you know, they're like, oh, it's a bestseller. Yeah. Because it's bestseller for, you know, female albino horse trainers in the Midwest. And you're like, well, sure. If you get the group small enough, yeah, you're number one, but why not just put yourself up against everybody. So then the competition makes you better. Right. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh, I must say that I'm impressed with you and, and Lindsay and Sue, and you guys are just, you're great period. Like there's no, you know, there doesn't have to be any qualifications. And that's why I wanted to dive into this with you because you, you have that air that like, you're not competing to be the best female. You're just, you just want to be great period. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like there's no qualification needed. I want to be the best. You can say it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, you want to be the best. It's yeah, that, and that's what I I think sometimes it it strikes me that like, so I, I was part of this like large chiropractic conference and we were organizing all the speakers and was frustrating. We wanted to get some women up on stage and I think PT is more female percentage than chiropractic is, I think, but yeah, um, I can see that. But we, we actively pursued six women. Like we contacted them and said, Hey, we would like you to apply. Like we're trying to get some females up there. Do you have any, and only one of them came forward and said, yeah, I'll present. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, after the conference is over, the number one feedback we got is we'd like to see some more females up on stage. And it's like, so would we, we were trying to, you know, coordinate that we were trying to put together. We got turned down five out of the six times. And the funny thing is like the uh, one of the two, one or two of the women always talk online about like trying to empower women to do this. And it was like, well, here was your, here was your moment and you didn't take it. But the other woman, the one that did speak never talks about that. She's just, she's just the best. Like you're saying, like she just acts like, Hey, it's, this is just what is. And I'm just good no matter what, you know, not good for a woman, just a good doctor. That's all. That's her whole thing. You know, it was just, I'm kind of asking these questions because I want to get the perspective if things are changing too. And it sounds like they are. Yeah. And I mean, of course I'd like them to change faster, but I'd say if I, if I could. Give well, I don't know. Hold on, hold on. We need, you know, we need some room. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. If I could give advice to, to other women, it would be take those opportunities. Um, you know, don't, you know, take that, that I think her name is Mel Robbins approach, the five second rule. And which is basically like, you know, if you, you know, count to five and just say yes. Right. So for example, if you get asked to be on a podcast for the very first time, and that seems quite vulnerable to you. <laughs> if you're a private person, hell yeah, say yes. You know, if you get, if you get asked to present at a national conference and that, mm, you know, yeah, you might have like everyone, you know, we all struggle with, you know, not thinking we're good enough. I think if we're honest about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, but you just gotta, you gotta prove it to yourself before you really prove it to other people. So. Yeah. I remember I heard a, a guy, he's a comedian and he, he has a podcast. And he was saying that he got asked to be on dancing with the stars. And he said, the reason I did it is because when they, when I got asked, there was so much fear that went through my body. And he said, three seconds later, I realized I must force a yes out of my mouth or I will always regret it. You know, I love that though. I mean, I yeah. can't you I know a lot of smart people I'm very lucky that way whether it's in PT or in, in you know the other venues of my life and I think that you know 
we all do struggle with a little bit of insecurities on different things. And, and that's based on fear. And if you can dance with fear, I think you surprise yourself on what you'll be able to do. And, um, and, and that can be a little bit addictive, right? Because what are the possibilities? I mean, yeah, well, I was in that same book that you recommended the Brene Brown book. She said she asked a bunch of soldiers, like, can you think of a time that somebody displayed courage that did not include any vulnerability? And she said after like a 30-second pause, everybody's like, no, that you can't have one without the other. You can't have courage without fear, right? Like, if you're not scared, it's not courage. It's just normal. <laughs> you know, like Absolutely. asking you to get water is not heroic, but, yeah, yeah. you know? So yeah, I mean, I think like you have to be willing to put yourself out there mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to accept criticism um, or feedback, however you want to, however you want to describe it. And, and really like I look at my, my career as what I do. It's really about helping people. Mm-hmm. And of course it's about helping my patients, but I hope that I can inspire other young practitioners or old, who knows? I mean, I'm not, young, you know, and I'm doing this, not being young to, to make changes, to, to better, um, to pay it forward. And so, you know, I think that for a long time I would get frustrated when I worked in some of these outpatient clinics, because I would see people who, who didn't take their jobs as seriously as I did. And I, and I think it, I took it personally as ridiculous as that sounds. And I didn't just realize one day, Hey, how about you just lead by example? You know, maybe, you know, instead of actively encouraging these people, which works sometimes and doesn't work others, uh, you can just show them how caring commitment, hard work can pay off. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's just what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because you know I, you and I always get the question at the end of SMA like, how do I implement this when nobody else around me is doing it? And it's like, start doing it, do it great, and sooner or later, everybody will be like, I, I want to learn that, you know. Hey, it's Dr. Josh. I want to let you know some exciting news I just found out. I was talking to the guys over at Racket Fit and On Base U, and it turns out that both those courses are now approved for 13 hours of continuing chiropractic education. So each course is approved for its own 13 hours. So if you're looking at what the next CEU course you want to do and you need the hours for your state, check out racketfit.com, racketfit.com, or onbaseu.com, onbase, the letter U.com, short for university, all right? If you're working in the population of, of tennis or you want to kind of get into that country club crowd, Doing the Racket Fit certification, I think, is absolutely fantastic. And if you are working in baseball, which I think is like the next frontier for a lot of the care that we provide, I think it's a fantastic group of people that are just kind of coming into the idea of assessments and performance measures and technology stats, then you definitely want to check out On Base U. I think these are both great courses. I've taken them. I teach them. I believe in them. So check them out. RacketFit.com and OnBaseU.com. And email me if you have any questions. Thanks. So when I asked what's up with chicks, the answer is they're kicking ass. That's basically your answer. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) See, I asked the right question, just the wrong time. So anyway, so uh, as far as um, any, uh, since you are, you have such a great resume, 
uh, as I transition to the end of this podcast, I just want to see like, since you get exposed to a lot, what would be some areas that you think, uh, or courses or books that you'd recommend to help people grow? So if there's somebody that's like, Hey man, I've, I've seen it all. I've done it all. I love it. Uh, what are some things that really helped you grow? Number one, lean in by Sheryl Sandberg. Number two, read the book, dare to lead. And yeah, then I, I like that book, dare to lead. I think the books that, that really did it for me in, in terms of helping me make the leap from working for a traditional practice to doing something on my own and, uh-huh. and probably even pushing me to do things like write a blog were a lot of the Seth Godin books. Really? Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is. He speaks a language that's really salient to me and his, it's funny cause they're not huge books either. Right. Most of them are pretty small. Yeah. There's a ton of them and I'm, and, you know, and then there's this, a lot of overlaps. So books like the dip, you know, learning when to quit, poke the box, what to do when it's your turn. Cause it's always your turn. Yeah. So some of those books I think uh, really resonate with me and I, and I actually, you know, I take, notes on all the books that I, most of the books that I read. And I go back to those books a lot for quotes that seem to inspire me. How about any professional courses that you think really kind of affected the way you, you treat that mm. kind of open drives? Well, obviously SMA, right? I mean, it's the best course in the world. Come on. Yeah. I'll tell you, I took two great courses this year that, that I, that really have changed Uh, a lot for me. Um, And one was a clinical neurodynamics with Michael Shacklock. I've heard only great things about that. Yeah. So I had taken some of the other neuromobilization courses and this one was just, um, it was, it was spot on, right? It's it's a systematic way of evaluating and then treating. So I would recommend that to anyone because I feel like that that's a, something that you can do very generally and get so-so results or you can do it well and get amazing results. Yeah. Um, I took uh, a course by Seth Oberst called stress movement and pain, or I think that that's the order. I treat a subset of persistent pain population patients. And so this, that course was incredible. If anyone deals with with either persistent pain population patients or patients that are in high stress environments, I recommend that course. Say the name, the name of the person again. Seth Oberst. Okay. And the, the course is stress, stress? pain. And you can just go to his website, sethoberst.com. Okay. I mm-hmm. also loved, I'll give a plug for Jimmy and Mark Chang's course. So Jimmy Yuen and Mark Chang are, are doing a new course. It's called K3 Combat Movement Systems. Now, this uses, you know, a, a lot of martial arts derived movement patterns, and I have found that to be a real connect the dots course, right? So, oh. being able to um, use movement and and skill based drills to treat a number of different patients, whether, you know, I've used it with professional athletes to young kids with concussions. Um, I I think the fun thing is as you go through your career and you do a lot of learning is actually connecting the dots between Mm -hmm. the different courses or books or things that you've learned. And uh, basically I think what I'm saying is applying (laughs) what you learn. So um, yeah, those, those were the three great courses. I also loved uh, the course Explain Pain because that's something that I think everyone should be able to do on some level is be able to explain the, the neuroscience. And who, who taught that one? That was taught by David Butler. Okay. And it was actually taught by Butler? Like 
was, was there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know which which courses anymore are taught by you know the. Yeah, sure. So the, the originators. Yeah, because right? Shacklock's teaching his own. You're teaching his own. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that he might have some instructors teach for him in Europe, but mm-hmm. but he's the one that's coming to the U.S. to teach his courses. Here. Awesome. Very cool. And so between the books and the courses, that's fueled the amazing growth that you've had, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that I know that there's a lot that I don't know. And that, um, that I guess, spurs me to want to know more because, you know, if I take a course and I only really get one or two things out of it, those one or two things may be the kicker for somebody, right? Right. Yeah. that, That really helps them. And so, that's fine. I, I've taken a bunch of courses, but one of the courses that sticks out in my mind, I won't say its name. It was horrible. <laughs> but the thing that I learned from it is you have to, like, I'm very happy when you go into a uh, course and the materials and the organization of the course, the logistics of a course will affect your learning, I guess is what I learned from that. And, yeah. and the other side of the coin, bad logistics will take a great subject. I think these people had a great subject. They just did not teach it in a great, you know, the package sucked. And I learned that and, you know, there's never something you don't learn at any course. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not about, all about knowledge, though. I mean, I think a lot of the learning I've been doing lately is is learning on human behavior and, and communicating, mm-hmm. connecting. So, you know, there's just so much out there. It's like when you when you evaluate someone you, and you you find a lot of things that, that they could improve upon. <laughs> I always say this is great. <laughs> there is a lot of opportunity for us to to improve, and, and yeah. it's the same thing you know, with learning. There's so much out there that y- you can get better at, and and I look at it with a you know try to look at it with a with a growth mindset, not mm-hmm. not one where well you know shit I don't know X Y and Z. Right. Well, that's the exciting part, right? Is like you could pursue this for the rest of your life and and yeah. never be done. Yeah, I mean, 22 years, and I truly love what I do, and I think I am very lucky to say that. I don't see That's awesome. don't see that that often. All right, well, for people who uh, want to uh, tap into that passion and maybe reach out or check out your stuff, can you give us your blog address, where to find you on Instagram? How people are you comfortable sharing your email address if people want to reach out with questions about starting their own gig? My website and blog are on leveluprehab.com. And luckily, your daughter checked those for spelling errors, so there shouldn't be any left. <laughs> yeah, feel free to leave a note on one of my posts. Um, my email is aline, A-L-I-N-E, at leveluprehab.com. And on Instagram, I'm at leveluprehab.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. I just don't really frequent those that much. And you're across the country regularly teaching SFMA seminars as well. When you're not there, you're at the international headquarters of Level Up Rehab there based in Denver, Colorado. Denver, Colorado. Yep. We survived bomb cyclone. We're good to go. (laughs) Awesome. That was crazy, man. There's been some crazy weather going on. We were just up in Tahoe and they they were saying that in February, it snowed an average, an average of one foot per day. Wow. I know. 28 feet in the month of February is insane. So. Yeah, I'm kind of for it. I'm ready for some warm weather. Exactly. All right. Well, Aline, this has been a a pure slice of heaven. I appreciate you taking the time today. And on behalf of Aline Thompson, this is Dr. Josh Saturday saying, go out there, do what Aline did, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks, Aline. Thanks, Josh. 
Hey, 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 I hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I would like to encourage you to go over to onbaseu.com and racketfit.com. Those are both sports-specific screening tools that will help you with your clients that play baseball for OnBaseU or tennis for racketfit.com. And both those courses are now approved for 13 hours of continuing education each. So you can work on those two courses this year, and they are fantastic ways to get your continuing education done while getting involved in sports that you love. So check them out, racketfit.com and onbaseu, just onbase, the letter U.com. See you there.